0: Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading and listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York, still unable to do improv publicly because we're balls deep in the coronavirus and I can't think of any place that I want to be less. Uh, But hey, It's what we're doing. Um, Joining me today, as usual, is the sorceress of the beeps, the boops, the bleeps, the buttons, the lady that makes it all happen. She's the Alabama enforcer. Her name is Chelsea Medinton. Hello, Chelsea. Hello. How are you doing?
1: I am good. It's a pretty good day. I mean, it's a good morning. Nothing's different, but we're here.
0: Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, Time is irrelevant. Who knows where we are? Uh, who knows if we are, but <laughs> we we're, are. Rec- we're recording, so there's a record of this. And our guest today is Jim Runner He is the host of the podcast, I Do Movies Badly, the cast of Cthulhu. And he's uh, joined Spooky Doings Improv back in the day when we can get together and rummage around on a stage within close proximity to each other. How you doing, Jim?
2: Yes, never have I longed to be trapped in an underground facility sweating my butt off than i have uh now that i've been able unable to go outside and be with people for five straight months
0: that sweaty ass basement of the triple crown ale house is quite appealing but as i've said before i ain't putting none of you, no motherfuckers that i care about at risk until it's safe just to make some
2: haha yeah no i i we we all greatly appreciate that as much as we want to get out and socialize and make people laugh we also you know don't want to die yeah
0: even when the, we got into the phase of you can have gatherings of 50 people or less i'm thinking to myself yeah our shows don't usually pull 50 people <laughs> but the subways and things no it's not worth it so how have you been holding up in the time of corona
2: you know um surprisingly well uh my wife and i are both still employed so that's been helpful but trying to keep social the the podcasting certainly does help to stay engaged with uh movies which are a thing that i love and with people which are also things that i love for the most part um and you know we we have an uh, an exercise bike so we've been able to kind of keep um physically active during this time and you know i i miss getting out and about but uh Considering the circumstances, we are doing surprisingly well, and I'm, I'm quite thankful for that.
0: Yes, mentioning your nuptials and your bride, did you get married during the, the quarantine period? We,
2: we did. Our, our wedding date was supposed to be March 22nd, mm-hmm. and then March 17th, which was not just St. Patrick's Day, but also the very first day that I was working remotely, we were sitting on the couch watching New York News 1, as we are wont to do in the morning and mayor bill de blasio um, Now, do
0: you want to do that or is that just what happens when you turn the tv on
2: no that's that is something we willingly do oh okay cool. because
0: when i turn the tv on it's just there and i hate it
2: yeah no it starts but it it has become part of our even long before the pandemic we'd you know watch uh pat and them in the morning sipping coffee while i was waiting to go out so and And
0: reading reading the newspaper to you and calling it news
2: (laughs) reading other people's headlines um yeah and and, mayor bill de blasio comes on and um, announces that there may be a, a shelter in place order coming within the next 48 hours and my wife and i looked at each other and we thought like well we kind of have to do this now or we're not going to do it until who knows when um called up a few friends our um officiant was actually out of town at a conference so i called up a friend who was registered to uh to oversee weddings in in the state of, of New York, I said, "Can you be in Fort Tryon Park in about two hours?" He said, "I'll be there, and I'll be wearing a kilt because it was St. Patrick's Day, and he is Irish." Um, called a few witnesses together and got married um, in front of how many was there? Maybe eight eight people in Fort Tryon Park um, overlooking the George Washington Bridge and and the uh, and the water. And it was uh, it was improvised, but it was quite lovely and it was memorable. And um, I will I've never really Care that much about St Patrick's Day, but now it's uh, my wedding anniversary, so it will always hold a very special place in my heart
0: nah, nah. So, some, sometimes you got to improvise as we do now um I, I I hope this isn't on your mind, and I don't know if I've talked about on the podcast uh, this topic earlier, um, but I've made a conscious decision mm-hmm. that I'm going to hate any people that are specifically made during this quarantine. <laughs> So anybody that was like pregnant beforehand, you get a pass. You didn't know this was coming. Mm-hmm. But if you got locked down and you specifically made a new person, just know I am going to hate that. People
1: person. are bored, Rick.
0: That's no <laughs> it's excuse. Gonna happen. The world is hellish. You're bringing <laughs> someone else into this. I'm not saying you know don't have your fun. I'm saying don't make somebody else. That's all I'm saying. And if you do. I'm just going to, if I find out when they were made, I'm going to dislike them.
1: You're going to punch that baby is what you're saying. Not the first baby I ever
2: punched.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not going to be the last baby I ever punched.
2: I I will say without um Delving into details that that's been put on pause, yes. so
0: Good man. Good man. What hasn't been put on pause is today's topic, and I'm sure our listeners are looking at this and they're thinking, "Rick, haven't you and Chelsea and a guest talked about Dracula before?" And the answer is, yes. But today we're talking about a specific Dracula, coincidentally, my favorite Dracula. We're talking yes. about 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I, I know there's a lot of feelings on chelsea's part definitely on my part uh, but what about you jim what are your thoughts on uh, on coppola's foray into the dracula
2: well like you this is my favorite dracula this was uh, honestly one of the first movie iterations of dracula i ever saw and saw it years before i actually even read bram stoker's uh book about it um my oldest brother and i don't agree on many things when it comes to uh, p- politics, sports, and what have you, but I have to be eternally grateful for him for introducing me to three very important um, pop culture influences in my life. Number one, Michael mansheat one of the finest uh, action flicks out there. Uh, number two, Guns N' Roses, and number three, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which um, he owned on VHS, and I watched probably when I was way too young to actually watch it, but it has been indelible in my mind as sort of the the Dracula I always, not imagined, but A lot of Dracula movies like you know he's he's an intimidating character and then ultimately he gets vanquished in the end or maybe he's just a a guy with an accent and pointy teeth but I I, what I love about Coppola's Dracula is how it makes Dracula sort of like not just an intimidating character but he is literally kind of a force of nature and how he is able to bend kind of physical reality and the environment around him. And it really, I think, does a great job of sort of showcasing not just Dracula the vampire, but Dracula the entity and the uh, just the force and kind of how this is what I've always wanted Dracula to be, this like the end all and be all of these mythical vampire characters. You know, no disrespect to Bela Lugosi or Christopher Lee, um, but it's just like this one is sort of like this is the one who is like, there is nothing more evil or more powerful than this iteration of Dracula in my mind.
0: I agree. I I like that he kind of combined the various cinematic Draculas, including Nosferatu in a specific shot. Mm -hmm. uh, Got the, the, the novel worked into things with the different journal entries and kept that alive. Uh, and made Dracula very, very sexy, as Dracula <laughs> should be. Not in every scene. Let's let let's be honest. Let sure. Be honest. You know, some scenes, you know, he, he he looks, you know, like very cr- crispy, crusty, and all that stuff. Other times, looks like me going to prom, but that's okay.
1: <laughs>
0: but but our, our our friend Chelsea here has very specific feelings about non-Dracula characters that have recently come. <laughs> to my attention. Uh, Chelsea would you care to elaborate on these very fun feelings that you have that entertain me so?
1: You are talking about the three musketeers of my heart which is Jack, (laughs) Arthur, and Quincy. I love those boys so much. I yeah so we actually watched Dracula as well as part of a movie club that Rick and I are in. I I purposely chose it because I had watched it a few weeks beforehand and it was on one of my friends, it was on her list of things that she hadn't seen. So we chose it and it was selfishly, I just wanted to watch those three again. I just <laughs> love them so much. But um, I, I love this movie. I do love Dracula. I, my only gripe with it, and it's not enough of a gripe to not make me rewatch it, um, is I don't think Winona Ryder's terribly well cast in it. I feel like looks-wise she is, Mm. but she just wasn't completely there when it came to acting. I feel like Keanu Reeves gets a lot of flack, and deservedly so. I feel like Winona Ryder deserves maybe a little bit of flack as well. (laughs) Um, But she's... but she's beautiful in the movie and she definitely looks the part um hmm. and i'm a sucker for stories where um like romance stories where there's past lives involved or reincarnations um so i do love that aspect but i remember reading in the imdb trivia a few months ago um that francis ford coppola had um billy campbell carrie all and um, um richard e grant Do like all these outdoorsy bonding activities together, like go horseback riding and all this different stuff. And I'm like,
0: as British men would do with a Texan.
1: uh, (laughs) Right. And I'm like, was that filmed? Can I find it? I need this footage. I need a sequel. Bring Quincy back to life and like let's i i have very strong feelings over them i don't know i just love those three i feel like those three are always fun when they're on screen together i loved that they all were in love with lucy and trying to and they like banded together to save her even though one only one of them was you know going to marry her so i just kind of loved that bromance of a situation going on where it wasn't as heated um yeah, no, Lu-
0: Lucy was a friendly gal. That doesn't mean that, you know, after the nuptials, you know, had she not become uh, uh, the devil's concubine, as Van Helsing <laughs> put it, there could have been some liaisons in the garden. We don't know. She she was a woman ahead of her time and, 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 and prone to romantic endeavors, you know, as a young lady should be. Um, but I I think uh, if you could get like seven seasons of those three characters <laughs> in a reality show, just like traveling the world, they don't have to be vampires involved. Like uh, this week, we're at a cantina in Juarez.
1: It could literally be Red Dead Redemption just with <laughs> those three. Like just a free roam type of situation where they're just having fun. I would watch them like just sit a campfire and talk about all the crazy shit they've done in their lives I don't know I just love them
2: I I believe it's been a while since I've read the book but I believe that those three are inventions of of the book I shouldn't say inventions they are in the source text but the way that they are sort of depicted and cast uh, reminds me or harkens back to even earlier than when I first saw Bram Stoker's Dracula for the first time, my first exposure to anything vampire related was, of course, the Nintendo game series Castlevania. And, and so it seems like there's some familiarity with that. Um, and this gets back to that idea of like, you know, in, in Castlevania, like it wasn't just Dracula's castle, but Dracula had all sorts of minions and creatures and shit like roaming around and hanging out there that you had to kill. So once again, it gets back to the idea of Dracula as a force of nature, basically. But specifically in Castlevania three, as you were going along on your quest to kill Dracula, um, you encountered three different allies that you could have join your party and you could swap out, you know, at various parts in the game. There was Sypha, who was a woman, and she was a, 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 a like a, a magician or like a, a wizard, basically. You had Grant the Nasty, who was a thief, who could like climb around on things and have little daggers. Then you had Alucard, who was Dracula's son, who could transform into a bat and fly around. And
0: Grant the Nasty was actually my stripper name, but go on.
2: (laughs) Um, But it it was just this idea of these different approaches and these different characters, all of whom have a different backstory, but are coming together to vanquish this this foe of Dracula. I kind of have memories of that when I'm seeing those three guys, like, you know, you have... Uh, if you're going to choose your own adventure book, you have the the, um, the English guy who's very wealthy, or you have the American cowboy, or you have the English doctor. Like, choose your <laughs> destiny and choose yeah. your path. And I really love that that little element, which is subtle, but I like that.
1: Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and, I just think they're so fun. Mm-hmm.
2: fun characters. <laughs> and, you know, Carrie, I was trying on his, I, I guess this was before the Princess Bride, right? So he, he you know was perfecting that British accent for the Dread Pirate Roberts. I, I believe
0: it was after
2: was it maybe
1: oh yeah i think it was because princess bride was 80s yeah, why
2: yeah. Is it? i don't know why and, i keep thinking it's like 96 for some reason but that wouldn't make any sense because that would then that would have been after forrest gump when robin wright got like really blue you know what what, what it, yeah, pr- as we've discussed princess, what, what princess is
0: bride was 87,
1: oh, it was 87.
2: All right, so he'd already perfected that British accent it was just, you know, polishing it up for Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm.
1: Well,
0: and, well and, and to go back to what Chelsea said, and you're not wrong, but when you compare it to Keanu Reeves' British accent <laughs> and bad acting in this movie, everybody, in my opinion, looks stellar by comparison.
1: Well, um, I mean, you know, like
0: some of the rats scuttling across the floor, I think, <laughs> were doing a better acting job. Well, and, keanu
1: and, and and
2: i mean you know let's let's be objectively verifiable here keanu reeves is terrible in this movie um but <laughs> e- even if he was very good i mean up against that supporting cast of richard e grant of tom waits of anthony hopkins like this is an intimidating cast to be a part yeah. of It's it's one of those where you kind of watch like oh that guy oh that guy okay um and, and I, I mean, Chelsea mentioned the IMDb trivia. I also love this a bit in there where Coppola admits he cast both Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves as, they were big mistakes. And he basically did it to capitalize on they were hot young things right. at the time. Um, you know, Keanu Reeves had both Bill and Ted movies and Point, uh, point Break had come out by that point. Yeah. Winona Ryder, you know, Heathers and Edward Scissorhands had been out. So they were like, yeah, we'll take advantage of the box office. And it's like, oh wait, but we also have to, have them say the lines hmm. they
1: also have to speak at some point yeah, it,
2: <laughs> yeah. almost,
1: it makes me feel feel for them especially keanu Reeves, because keanu Reeves has said in interviews that he you know just wishes he didn't take the movie that he saw it as a great opportunity but that he was just so fucking tired yeah he was just so exhausted from all the work that he was doing right beforehand and he jumped from one project to another and that he just couldn't put all of his energy in that and you know, I I hate that he's already kind of defending him, not really defending himself, but you know, admitting, yeah, this wasn't my best work at all. But I just hate that he's saying that, and then Francis Ford Coppel is like, yes, this was an awful mistake, and I'm like, <laughs> Geez, give him a break. <laughs> like he's admitting no, that his work wasn't that great. Don't um, feel bad for him. There's a
0: generation of people. Who love Keanu Reeves. Because, I'm one of them. Yes, because the stories come out that he's a nice person. No, they, I they,
1: actually think he's a good actor, but you disagree with that. I
0: disagree, and therefore they overlook a career worth of shitty performances because, like you know, like we don't have to worry about him engaging at bad touch at best or like severed heads in the freezer at worst. So that's, yeah, that's
1: an opinion. That's an opinion.
0: Right um but yeah another thing that, like for a long time and i know he's problematic by comparison um is uh, for a long time gary oldman was my favorite actor mm-hmm. and at this period uh i was definitely taking advantage of vhs rentals so watching this and romeo is bleeding uh, a movie that'll surprise people how much i love it immortal beloved where he played beethoven mm-hmm. uh, sid and nancy or, or like even just you know the two scenes of true romance that <laughs> yes. he's in, mm-hmm. like, like this motherfucker can do anything and proved it. And it's also weird to see Anthony Hopkins as kind of the comic relief in ah. this, yeah. in, in playing this over the top Van Helsing of like, yes, she was suffering. Then we cut off her, then we you know cut out her <laughs> heart and cut off her head, and then she knew peace and then he's eating a gigantic roast yeah and i'm like that's very different from hannibal lecter
2: or in when lucy's body is in the other room and he asks richard grant like we we need some post-mortem knives like you want to do an autopsy like no no no, not exactly i just want to cut off her head and cut out her heart and he just kind of walks away disgusted and you see van helsing's like well i don't understand what the big deal is yeah (laughs) um yeah i kind of i kind of equated him as like you know anthony hopkins plays it as sort of like he's your your weird eccentric uncle who's like, you know, has a PhD in French history, but then also at the dinner table talks about like Dolce base and UFO theories. You're like, wait, wait, what? Like (laughs) you're, you're you're very intelligent and also wait, what? Uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's always good to have an old weirdo in your life. And I say that (laughs) as the old weirdo in a lot of people's lives. (laughs) Right.
2: I hope to achieve that status someday.
0: It's, it's something to strive for. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Um, No, yeah, and you mentioned Gary Oldman, yeah, it's, uh, because he's, like, I think he's great in this movie, he's a great actor, and also he's a guy that allegations of domestic abuse have followed around for a long, long time, Um, and yeah, I I mean, then that opens a larger discussion, too, of how do you separate art from the artist, which, as someone who hosts a podcast dedicated to the work of of H.P. Lovecraft, like, that's a conversation I've been having a lot, and it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about.
1: Yeah, and um, didn't he and Winona Ryder not get along on this set, or was that a rumor? I can't remember.
2: That that was true, but I believe since Winona Ryder has said, like, well, I was just kind of it was a young teenage thing, and I've gotten over it, and we're friends now. So oh,
0: okay. Um now, I'm I'm pretty ignorant to H.P. Lovecraft. I know he was a, a horror pioneer, but you know, please enlighten my ignorant ass of what's
2: his problem um racism
0: oh there we go
2: yeah as as was uh as was the case he was a a, a writer who was born in the late 1800s grew up and lived most of his life in new england so really specifically providence rhode island so never really saw someone that did not look like him and when he did he lived for a short time in brooklyn because he married a, a, a jewish woman who had a um a hat shop in in brooklyn um, he was not uh, a fan of people who were a different color from him, and and you know, there's there's a lot uh, of
0: a hat shop in Brooklyn. That's a rarity. Go on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I believe in Red Hook, uh, so w- which was certainly not the neighborhood uh, then as it is now. But um, and and you know, you have a lot of problematic, awful people who, in their personal life, they may have been like, well, yes, of course, I love the Nazis, but when they have a, a work it's not there. You know, you, you you have an easier time separating those two things. His racism was in his writing. Um, two of his stories, The Horror at Red Hook, and he talks specifically kind of about how the horror are the the brown people around him, basically, and, and what these, these monstrous people look like. And for people who want to Google it, I mean, it's your funeral, but he even wrote a poem called On the Creation of N-Words, um, which is, you know, him basically talking about how they were born a genetically inferior species. So it's 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 not something as like, well yeah, he was a he was a jerk in public, but when you read his stuff, like, no, it was it was there as well, which is um why if, if anyone is tuned into the Horror Community, why I'm so excited for Lovecraft Country to premiere on HBO. As of this recording it'll be tomorrow, I'm sure once this comes out it'll be later, but uh um because it's basically a subversion of his work in many regards, including the fact that it is um, African American characters who are the protagonists of the story, which is something that I'm sure he would would just give him the vapors were he alive to see it. <laughs>
1: he, yeah, he would be rolling over in his grave for sure. But mm-hmm. that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's just a great, great thing. <laughs> now
0: I'm I'm more excited to watch it and glad H.P. Lovecraft is dead. And and not just. <laughs> He is
2: dead, right? But he's—he's he's been dead since 1936, 37. Okay,
0: he's not my, like cruising my neighborhood listening to what
2: <laughs> no, I'm saying. No, he's right,
0: not. Cool.
1: Just making sure.
0: But also, we're but living also, in weird times. Time is irrelevant.
1: I, I love that you're scared happen. of being on H.P. Lovecraft's hit list. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, not, s- not going to be coming through here, is
0: he? <laughs> I'm not scared to be on anybody's hit list. I'm just saying. I watch a lot of horror movies. I watched Creepshow recently. So I'm used to dead people coming back to get revenge on people that have slighted them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, based on what I just heard from Jim about H.P. Lovecraft, the fact that I'm glad he's dead might be enough. And, you know, it'll take a while for a corpse to walk from Brooklyn to here. (laughs) But, you know, he's not going to be hopping too many fences.
2: Well, he he is... It'd be even longer because he's actually buried in Providence. So it would take right. even longer for him to get to you. But, and also the, one of the, one of the ways that psychologically or mentally I've been able to kind of work around um, engaging with this guy who was problematic was his work is also in the public domain. So he is, neither him nor an estate are making any money off of his work out there. So people can do whatever they want with it, literally whatever they want with it.
1: Sounds like Ann Rice's worst nightmare. <laughs> glad oh. you got that <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man uh but it, hey what we we were talking about dracula weren't we i know <laughs> yes um we went yeah on it's fun uh, we do that I, when so uh, this is i i do want to one other thing that i think i i not i think that i do love about this movie is how coppola had a uh, had a real intention of practical effects when it came to making this movie. Um, with the exception of the blue circle of flame, which uh, you know engulfs uh, Harker when he shows up to Dracula's castle, every single effect you see is a practical in-camera effect, which is absolutely bizarre and bonkers to think about. But if you uh, if you're listening to this while you're working on the computer, call up YouTube and search for in camera, the naive visual effects of Dracula—it's about a 19-minute piece. Which Roman Coppola, who was the second assistant director after Coppola fired his visual effects team, he hired his not yet 30-year-old son to do all these practical effects, and he walks you through a lot of the ones that he does. That's and, Francis keeping it in the family. <laughs> it's and it's all old-school stuff that um, that I think would would have been done like would have been possible to do in silent film and. Even I I believe reading through the trivia and reading through some stuff, he even wanted to do it more sparse, such as just kind of have a set which was decorated strictly by different lighting effects, which is very theatrical, which, and I mean that not in the sense of dramatic, but could be done in the theater, which makes sense because in the history of Dracula, Frankenstein, um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the first American exposure to these properties were through theater performances, basically, with costumes and production design and Coppola harkens back to that because with the exception of I think maybe the the streets of London and some other stuff everything everything is shot on a sound stage even when the horses are chasing after the carriage and the climactic chase at the end that's all done in a sound stage and it feels like that but I think to the film's credit because it has this eerie kind of superficiality to it which just kind of makes it feel very otherworldly and even stuff like filming things in reverse and then playing it forward, such as when Van Helsing is is using the cross to get Lucy back into the coffin. It's like, this is unsettling in a way where you might not immediately be aware of it, but once you rewatch it or you see it again, you're like, yeah, this is is strange. And I know he said he wanted to do that because he wanted it to feel like when vampires are around, the rules of physics no longer apply, um, which is a kind of brilliant touch and which getting back to what I said is kind of what makes this feel like Dracula is so much of force instead of just a guy that will bite you and, you know, can't be out in the sunlight and will occasionally turn into a vampire bat. Like, Oh, what an inconvenience that might be.
0: Yeah. An- another thing, uh, touching on, um, cause yeah, there, there, there were many homages from shots to dialogue that referenced Legosi's portrayal of Dracula. Um, what I liked is it also added the real, uh, stories of uh, Vlad the Impaler uh-huh. in the beginning and carried that through, which I don't think we'd ever seen so closely done, or at least I hadn't, in Dracula films to add that aspect into it and his mm-hmm. his rejection of the church is uh, what made him uh, a vampire. And uh, as, as a uh, Guy that was you know raised for twelve years in the Catholic school and it's what made me the bitter atheist that I am today. Like <laughs> right at the in that opening scene, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, you're, you're not you're not wrong. I don't know how you stab a big cross and make blood come out, but you know, hey, mm. uh, I'm not surprised either. Works for <laughs> me. In a and, and 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 is weird, kind of blasphemy throughout. I, I definitely dug so while, while still in Catholic school, when this came out, it, there was kind of a sick glee that I had like this <laughs> it pissed the nuns off <laughs> <laughs> And if it pissed the nuns off, in my opinion, it was automatically cool
2: <laughs> yeah, and as someone who i i, I am still uh, quite devout in my faith and, and you know it, but not in the sense of you know I'm like, oh dear, I can't watch something like this. It, it is, when I was a child and watching this, this was sort of like the height of blasphemy that I can imagine, like, whoa, he renounces God in the church and he stabs across like, oh my God, this is like, I almost kind of felt like it was dangerous, like I shouldn't have been watching it, um, which is quite interesting considering a lot of the things that I've watched since and like, oh, this was 1992, like, oh, that's kind of quaint how, how they did that, mm-hmm. um, but I have, I have questions for, well, I guess not questions, but one question for, I guess, the both of you Go is, for. I the one thing I still struggle with when I watch this movie is, and to be clear, I'm not sure if this is coming from a place of, of patriarchy and, and being a man, but I feel so bad for Keanu Reeves' character because he's out of commission for most of the part, taking, being taken advantage by Dracula's Brides. All he wants to do is get back to his wife or his affianced gets back to her they get married but then she's just in love with this other Dracula guy and like is just kind of and and I struggle with like this concept of is she actually in love with him has she just been kind of seduced or like hypnotized by him but like Jonathan Harker kind of has to sit back and watch as his wife goes into the castle with this with this guy at the end as she's like crying into and, and, and like and just kind of I don't know what to make of of the relationship between Dracula and Amina because the movie would certainly want us to believe it's a love story and it's and it's his ability to love her which kind of redeems him but also one that seems unfair to Jonathan but should it be unfair and also I I'm kind of uncomfortable with the idea of Dracula being redeemed. So I guess I guess this idea of I guess it's it's two questions. Number one is me thinking that's unfair to Jonathan disregarding uh, Mina and her agency and her desire. And number two, should Dracula or can Dracula be redeemed? Because this movie certainly seems to think so, but as a concept, I don't buy it.
1: I uh no those are good questions um for the first one I think it's okay to acknowledge I mean for Jonathan it's the shittiest situation (laughs) and he is in love with her and I don't one thing that I don't think the film does terribly well and I don't think it's really anyone's fault because it's a weird thing to add anyway is with the romance with Mina and Dracula it's not terribly well done because Mina does just suddenly go from this weird man's following me to okay. you know <laughs> mm-hmm. I love him, don't hurt him. Um so I I think I I don't think acknowledging Jonathan's uh pain and the fact that he's being betrayed um takes away from feeling bad for how Mina's consent is basically being betrayed and her mindset and how she's being manipulated. I think you can acknowledge both. Um, For the second question, I agree. I don't think Dracula is the character who should ever be redeemed. I'm not interested in redemption when it comes to him. Mm -hmm. And I also don't think that he's worthy of it with even with Mina because of what he did to Mina's best friend. So I'm like, Sometimes it would, when I watched it again um, for Movie Club like a month or two ago, I was just like, girl, he like raped and killed your best friend. What are you doing? <laughs> like, of course these guys want to hurt her or want to hurt him. And um, so those those things would bother me where I'm like, no, I don't feel that bad for you that now you're feeling, you know, feelings, uh, and you love (laughs) Nina and you want to stay, uh, stay with her. So I'm not interested in redemption with that. And I don't think, I, I think specifically because of what he did to Lucy is why I don't think he could be redeemed. If that didn't happen with Lucy, I mean, I still wouldn't be interested in redemption, but I could see why like that his story may be going that way but i'm like no they made lucy mina's best friend even they were very different but they obviously cared for each other and um yeah so i i think i i think he shouldn't he shouldn't be redeemed and i'm not interested in redemption when it comes to him i actually don't care for redemption stories with monsters anyway
2: um, Ooh, don't let Guillermo Del Toro hear you say that. I
1: well, Del Toro, yes. Del Toro <laughs> does it beautifully. I think it's because I don't see them done well often. Yeah. Um Del Toro I would put in mm. a completely different space because I love yeah. every single one. And,
0: and Del Toro's monsters usually aren't the villains. <laughs> in, Good point, in
1: yeah. No yeah. Yeah.
0: no now, now my opinion of, of what you were talking about, Jim. Um uh Might end with Chelsea calling me an idiot. Um, And that's fine, because it happens a lot.
1: (laughs) But again,
0: uh, looking at at 1992 and me in high school, I can definitely understand how a, a young lady with kind of a square boyfriend would want to have a bit of a bad boy face. Even this one, who basically used her best friend as lunch. Uh, so she's not happy about it. But, you know, first of all, Harker shouldn't feel too bad. He got to wake up in a bed with Monica Bellucci and two other ladies who <laughs> were using him as lunch. Not really the ideal place for him, but me in 1992, like, go ahead, ladies, I, I get it, I get it. Um, but what what he has to realize, like, after she cuts off uh, her bad boy's head and puts an end to it. The breakup is final. She's gonna come back and settle down with your boring ass. <laughs> There's no real let religion. her go through her face. Yeah. Because <laughs> where would I have been in 1992 without the bad boy face? Lonely. I'd have been very, very lonely. <laughs> I had to be uh, someone's teenage mistake for a period of one to three months. <laughs> That's fine. That's the time to make those mistakes, right? And now, could could you say that I have redeemed myself in in the time since 1992? I hope so. Do I need a new cape? Absolutely. Uh, but it, I, I again, if if um, and, and this is my own bias, if Harker were played by an actor I liked, I probably would have felt. Uh, <laughs> deeper for him but it's like no you're gonna be fine you're gonna be on a bus with sandy bullocksies in a little while (laughs) and you're gonna get well paid for it
1: And you gotta keep that bus at uh 60 miles per hour you're
2: gonna be fine yeah and now i guess in in this there is the subtext of sort of sexual repression and that sort of thing which exists in a lot of horror stuff and Mm -hmm. specifically how these monsters Mm -hmm. come about i mean there's there's that scene at the beginning, Lucy's, or or Mina's typing the letter, and she's, like, looking at, I believe it's the Kama Sutra, and she's like, oh, how disgustingly awful. And, like, there's this idea of, like, real repression and how Mm -hmm. Harker kind of, like, is also that, because I believe Mina says to Lucy, like, oh, you know, we've kissed, and that's all. And Dracula is, like, like this whole other world yeah. of like things I didn't even know were possible when it came to penetration both met- metaphorically and, and literally. A,
0: a lot of people I've noticed react kind of like Rick you're being icky when I say you know vampire stories are about penetration and fluid that's literally
1: what they are <laughs> yeah I mean yeah.
0: but you know not in the way not not in the really fun you know extracurricular way mm-hmm. but you know more, more more in like a pointy you right. know nutritious way like a like a like a like a human capri sun bag. It
2: is a human capri. Well, and I, I must admit that human <laughs> capri only just hit me right now. <laughs> I know, I just, <laughs> so, sometimes there's a, la- a delay on some of those jokes, <laughs> and those are for me. um But uh, I must admit, this is where I, you know, I, I could be, you know, I'm, I'm a. I am a Christian. I am a, an extremely liberal one, but I, there is still a, 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 a moral code within me, which is hard to separate or unwrap from. So this idea of you have this vampire who like, yep, I renounce God. I give up my soul and his, and the fact that his redemption or redeeming is not from reconciling that, but just because he, he loves someone else, my mm-hmm. theology and my artistic sensibilities kind of collide. Um, now, I, I know, I guess there's this idea of destiny that the idea is she is sort of the reincarnated version of the woman that he used to love, but it, it, it's still just.
0: <laughs> still.
2: Um, but I, even I'm, I'm like, her last line is she says, There in the presence of God, I understood at last uh, how love could release us all from the power of darkness. Our love is stronger than death, which, if you talk about a general concept, yes, we have this idea love trumps hate, and certainly a, a progressive. Christian movement is going to talk about let's focus on the love stuff and let's get away from you're going to go to hell for these things um but if they're talking specifically as in our love the two of us like that's where I'm eh, I don't like
1: I I get that I I understand because him being released from if it look, if it's seen as him being released from all the horror that he's caused and what he's done, it, like you said, the way the film portrays it is it's because he fell in love with Nina and he mm. saw, like, light in Mina. But again, while killing her best friend and while <laughs> causing, like, all this other, you know, shenanigans to happen, and none of it was... There was no real remorse. There was no real... Um, human connection to the horror he's done other than how much he loved the OG girl whose name Rick, say it again. I don't remember.
0: Elizabeth.
1: There you go. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and, and OG
0: Elizabetha. And,
1: and his love for Mina, like that's you know it, it almost goes into a lot of problematic love stories where um, you only need that one person in your life and you're okay. like fuck everybody else it kind of goes a little bit with that. So I understand what you're saying where there's a conflict there where it's like, you know, his, his, uh, him, you know, defying God and, or denouncing God and, um, the church and everything and nothing comes of that either. It's, it's interesting. Cause I hadn't really thought about that before, but it is a really good point.
2: Cause there there's, I, I'm, I'm certainly now, once again, my Christian belief, you know, informs me that anyone can be forgiven and can be redeemed so I'll take that but yeah we have a guy guy who (laughs) literally for hundreds of years has been slaughtering people feeding on them and who has given up his soul now I believe in a redemption arc but you can't be like oh but all of that is forgiven because he liked a girl more than himself like cool i am sure Hitler liked ava braun more than she more than he liked himself too, but that's not going to be like at the I, end of it like I don't know no. about
0: that but go on
2: <laughs> it, it, i'm I'm being hyperbolic of course, yeah. but it's just it, it's 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 strange because even the the poster for this one when it came out it you know on the top, even you know it just says Love never dies so like the romance was what mm. they were pushing in the marketing for this movie, and yet I'm also uncomfortable thinking like, okay, did she love him was it destiny or was it his hypnotic vampire powers? And then it, like, also, then that's that's kind of a, and forgive me if, if the word is too strong, but, like, almost a form of, like, um, emotional or psychological rape where it's, like, was she willing? A willing yeah. participant in it? So it, it's it, it's a whole lot of complicated questions. I, the, I
0: I think at that point when he tries to stop her from drinking his blood, and he's like, I can't do this to you, and she chooses it anyway. Yeah. But, you know, you I, again, the the be it the flip side of the coin of my theory of, you know, Dracula's been living in his kink castle with his numerous brides and, and acting a fool for centuries. And then he finds a nice gal and he's like, you know what? I think I'm done. I think I'm ready to call it a day.
1: <laughs> but he doesn't call it a day. He rapes and tortures her best friend while falling in love with her.
0: Yeah. He, he he works towards it. That's why I don't think there's the redemption. Um, I I look at it as the Craig Ferguson joke when he married Annette Benning. It's like Annette Benning got a tired Warren Beatty <laughs> at the end of it all. <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, Lucy ended up with a tired Vlad Dracula. He's like, and I'm just tired of putting my hair up in these big white buns. Let's let's just let it down. No. Put a hat on, and, and we'll go to the cinematograph. And settle down.
2: <laughs> the, time,
0: to, time to settle down. Time to surrender.
2: The the wonder of the civilized world is what I believe he refers to the cinematograph mm-hmm. as. So, um, yeah, it, and that's it, and it, it's kind of funny because I, uh, <laughs> it's a great film in many regards, especially technically. But like, oh yeah, this this also seems like a, a, a love story, which was uh, made by a man. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and
1: I mean, and it was, it, it, yeah, and I feel like the the one thing that the movie just doesn't do a great job with is, you know, like we were saying, like, how much of this is Nina willing, and how much of it is not, like, we're never really given a clear picture of how how that progressed, mm-hmm. so I think that's one unfortunate thing, I mean, I just, when I first watched it when I was younger, I just assumed she was hypnotized. Like, when I was a kid, I just, for the rest of the movie, thought she was brainwashed, thought she was hypnotized. And then as I got older, I was like, okay, I can tell they're trying to actually complicate this a little bit on, is it real love? But I can't tell. There's no, like, uh, clear line. And even if there doesn't have to be a clear line, there wasn't a way to read between the lines. Like, there was just no hints or anything. So that's one thing with the movie. And again, it's not something that keeps me from rewatching it um, or enjoying it, but it's just interesting to think about.
2: Yeah. Because um, even, I mean, rewatching movies, you always kind of, especially as you grow and develop as a person, there are certain things you notice or that stand out too. I f- had forgotten about uh, that exchange, brief exchange between Mina and Harker right before she goes into the castle to kill Dracula. And she says, she's holding a gun to him and she says, uh, when it's you know when it's my time will you do the same thing to me and he says no and it's okay. like wh- wait okay I, Harker I don't know what to think of you now
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: and then he's he tells them like no let her go our job is done hers is just beginning and so it's just kind of I I, I don't know what to make of this whole thing and, and now I, and I say this as someone who there are plenty of movies in history where we are supposed to be following a man who is going through an in, like, infidelity and that kind of thing. We're supposed to be rooting for them. So this is kind of why, like, is this inherent patriarchy in me? Or is this also and or just kind of a, a, a not well done thread of the movie?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good point.
2: Um, I think it's also... I, fun- oh, sorry, Rick, go ahead.
0: I always look at that as like, it's 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 Mina's journey to finish, and you know Harker's the square that is like, okay, now our cowboy friend is dead. <laughs> um, uh, he 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 was the only like rough and tumble man among us because you know uh, Van Helsing's old, uh, uh, Seward's a junkie, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Homewood is fancy pants over here. Sure. And it's like, I, it's like I ain't going back in that castle. I'm traumatized. There might be, you know. It's like do you Van Helsing see the gray said. He,
1: in
0: my hair. Yeah, Van Helsing <laughs> said he cut all the heads off of of the fun ladies, but you know, they might, be, they they could be hanging around. So I'm just gonna go. <laughs> like, you know where to find me later.
2: <laughs> yeah, I,
0: a little bit of like cowardice on on Harker's part. Like, okay, she she she'll be back. Uh And if not, uh, I'm not coming back to the Carpathians again.
2: Now, which leads to the important question, Chelsea: If you had to choose between Quincy, oh. Lord Homewood, oh. and Doctor Seward, what would you I've,
0: I've asked Chelsea this before, but I've done it much more crass and a fuck and Mary you Kill You did the, the fuck scenario. Mary
1: Kill, and yes. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> what I did. <laughs> this is so. It good. may be different
0: Aww. on this day.
1: It may be different. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So should I do fuck Mary kill or should I choose? That's what I would prefer.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's go with. Let's go with the the fuck Mary kill scenario.
1: Okay. So unfortunately, as much as I love him, he. He is a junkie and he has his problems, so I'm just going to go ahead and kill Jack.
2: Yeah, I'll give him a
1: little kiss first, Then, I'm going to kill him. Fair. And um, I'm going to fuck Quincy, because that's going to be a good time. Mm, of
0: course. <laughs> and
1: then I'm going to marry Arthur, because that'll also be a good time, and he has money. so.
0: I would make that exact same choice. To yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what
2: I was thinking, too. In fact, when it comes to Dr. Seward, you probably wouldn't even have to, because it's probably imminent he would overdose on dope at some <laughs> you know? point anyway.
0: Mm, my, Jack and Tom Waits just... would write a song about it.
2: <laughs> uh, Tom Waits is so good in this movie. My oh, shrink oh, chased the dragon. <laughs>
1: He's yeah. so so wonderful in this movie, and I I was not a Tom Waits fan when I first watched the movie because I was very young. I was a kid when I watched it, and I started listening to Tom Waits in high school. So it took me a little bit to put two and two together because I wasn't looking up like Tom Waits' filmography. And then I just, one of the times I watched Jack I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, that's how I put it together. But I think he's so, he's so good in it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, the- what else? Because the only other time I've seen him act is in Seven Psychopaths. Does he have a much more prolific filmography than I'm aware of? Oh yeah,
0: he worked a lot with Jim Jarmusch back that, in the day.
2: That makes a lot of sense. Uh,
0: down by Law. Most recently, that Buster Scruggs uh,
2: uh, which, film. yeah, on which I have Netflix. not seen. Yeah. Okay.
0: But yeah, it, he'll he'll show up and oh, you know what you would love him in? Uh, Wrist Cutters, a love story.
1: Hmm. He's in
0: that? He is in that. I mean, even though I love the fact that Shea Wiggum's character is based on Eugene Hutz from Gogo Burdello, which I love even more, but then to have Tom Waits just spouting witticisms that I don't think were in the script. I think if you are in whatever area of California Tom Waits lives in and just happened across him he would just (laughs) spit out these pearls that sound like the ravings of a lunatic but then when you think about them you're like oh yeah like i I, I remember one uh quote somewhere it's like songs are just interesting things to do with the air (laughs) it's like but much like, you know, a joke grenade from earlier, like after about 30 seconds, you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so definitely check out uh, uh, Down by Law and and Wrist Cutters if you want some good That uh, one on-screen it, Tom Waits.
2: It's so funny you say that because last night when I was watching this, I'm like, you know, I bet Tom Waits has worked a lot with Jim Jarmusch. It just seems like those two are. Oh, yeah. Um I've and, seen Mystery Train and but he I guess he's only the radio DJ in that in that
0: and, movie. and actually John Lurie who was in Down by Law as well did a, a, a fishing show on <laughs> okay. on IFC called Fishing with John. Okay. And Tom Waits was one of the guests. So it's even funnier to see these cranky old eccentrics go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Does a fish end up in Tom Waits' pants?
2: Yes. I <laughs> would hope so. Sure. Um, I, I think it, we'd also be remiss if uh, uh, Jimmy V. Hart, who is the uh, or James V. Hart, who is the screenwriter of this movie I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about how eccentric of a catalog he has. So he, of course, wrote this movie the year after he wrote uh, Hook, which is a movie I actually oh my really god. enjoyed. god, Hook was a staple
1: um, in my house. I love the, Hook
2: the movie he would write after bram stoker's dracula muppet treasure island <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> see i wasn't aware of that and look at that but there are sometimes you'll find people like wait a second they did that then that then that. how the that doesn't even connect <laughs>
1: they got no. layers they got layers
0: no, no, but no. hey you, know, you, you got to get paid some people uh just want to you know get paid to write, and you know that that's cool. Other people you know do some more personal shit, but you know uh, I don't think I'll watch uh, Muppet Trevor, her Island again because in my opinion the humans didn't look all that realistic. But if I watched <laughs> Hook again, which is possible, uh, I, I'll look at it again through that lens of like this
1: motherfucker did director. Yeah, that,
2: that would be an
1: interesting lens.
2: That I mean there there's <clears throat> there's a little bit yeah. a little bit lost in that because as is unfortunately the case in Hollywood, screenwriters have very little power and you have Dracula, which was done by Coppola and hook done by Spielberg. So those are two huge egos that add their touch to a story. And so if you can, if you can get through the, uh, uh, the I don't want to say daddy issues. It has such a weird connotation, but um, Spielberg made a lot of movies where it was someone searching for a father because of how he was doing that in his life. If you can get through that in hook, um, I think there's a lot of, uh, of fun to be had in that. And that actually, to be honest with you, might be my, just like Dracula is my kind of um, the, not the preeminent, but sort of the, the the Dracula story that I hold up to be the the, <clears throat> the one, Hulk is sort of the the Peter Pan story that I ho- hold up to be the one. And part of that is just because there's been a lot of bad Peter Pan adaptations. Yeah. Um, and Robin Williams is, or was, rest in peace, fantastic.
1: Yeah, he's so great in that movie. I love
2: it. Dustin Hoffman, um, another uh, problematic figure playing oh, an yeah. a, a kind iconic of character.
0: See, I don't follow a lot of this stuff, so sometimes I miss out on who's problematic. What,
1: well, what, old men for the most part. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: yeah very you true. You can just assume.
2: Throw <laughs> so, yeah.
0: a so, star, so. rock and assume they're garbage?
2: Yeah, no, nothing has come out about Anthony Hopkins, I believe.
1: No, I think he's been relatively chill. I think he's he's lived his life and he's fine. He's a knight of the realm. He's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's a distinction. Eh? Uh all right. So in clothing, where can people find you if they wanna find you, Jim? Well podcast and all that <laughs> oh, my goodness.
2: Um so I do movies badly is uh is a weekly podcast. You can go uh I guess to I do movies dot podbean dot com. But uh uh, I, I am hosted on a website called Battleship Retention, um, where uh, that, that's better and just in terms of if you want to listen and chime in on comments and that sort of thing. Um, the Cast of Cthulhu is a bi-weekly podcast that I do with a, a, a co-host named James McCormick, um, and that is dedicated to the um, the cinematic adaptations of H.P. Lovecraft, both direct, such as the recently released uh, Color Out of Space, directed by Richard Stanley, um, and spiritual adaptations, such as, you know, Carpenter's The Prince of Darkness or uh, The Void from 2016. Um, uh, I do movies badly. Currently in August, uh, I'm reviewing some films that were recommended by a guy named Terry Menard from a website called Gaily Dreadful. And they're uh, uh, the queer vampire cycle. So I just put out an episode on the original Fright Night. Um, nice. I, will, I will be next reviewing The Lost Boys. and then, Nice. Yes, and then I wrap up with... Um, Uh, a film I've not seen in a long time, Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark.
1: Um, Near Dark? I was really hoping you would say Near Dark. I love that movie. We thought
2: about ours. I I think, um, let me see. Uh, On the cast of Cthulhu, we just did um, a review for a video game called uh, Quest for Glory, Shadows of Darkness from uh, Sierra from 1994. And then our next episode will be about the uh, Masters of Horror episode Dreams in the Witch House from the short-lived Showtime show masters of horror which uh i loved and was gone too soon
0: it's on tubi
2: yeah that's that's what i was told after i uh bought the episode we were reviewing because i thought that's the only place i could find it so
1: well then you got to watch it commercial free because tubi does commercials
2: yeah that's true um still not sure if it was worth the two dollars i spent on it (laughs) it. Chelsea, where
0: can people find it if they want Uh,
1: to same place they can always find me on Instagram and Twitter, just Chelsea Bennington. All right.
0: There you can find Spooky Doings on Instagram, Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook, uh, where we're just giving information about the podcast right now because can't do improv. But when we can, you'll find out about it. And you know, sometimes I just post some stuff on there just to be weird. Uh, <laughs> because what else are you going to do in this time? Thank you for being with
2: us, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I've, I've loved this movie and I've wanted to talk about it for a while. And it's one of those movies where people either love it or they hate it. And I honestly don't understand how people could hate this movie. Uh, Some people are just wrong. (laughs) And
0: to all of our listeners, stay good, stay healthy, stay spooky. Until next time.